In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. As those who normally come to 8 o'clock and those who normally come to 6 o'clock, but you're here now, uh, know very well, today is the day of our annual parish meeting. Um, It's our understanding in this church and in many churches that the annual meeting actually begins now. It begins with worship. This is the first part and probably the more important part. And then the next part involves food that many of you have have brought uh, from all over the world. And um, and then we'll look at the previous year together with um, a handful of reports and um, a couple of huge thank yous to people who have uh, meant even more than usual to us in the past year. And then we'll um, add a note or two about the upcoming year. Accordingly, it's my practice to offer my annual report um, in this spot, in the context of the sermon. There'll be a written version you can look at at the meeting, and I'll spruce it up, and it'll be online as well if you want to double-check. But just sort of listen as I sort of review the last year, if you will. Now, to try to tie it in with these scriptures is a little challenging, (laughs) And yet, not so much if we look at it with a larger theme. The first reading today is about choosing God above all other things. God tells God's beloved people, a prophet is coming. Listen to the prophet. God knows there'll be all kinds of people claiming to speak on behalf of God then and now. And so God encourages the faithful to listen closely Watch carefully, pay attention. Certainly in the past year, with all that has gone on in our political and social climate, uh, we've become fine-tuned at watching and listening and praying and being careful and trying to remind ourselves of who we are and whose we are. The second reading, the letter to the Corinthians, can sound a little strange at first, all about offering food to false idols and such. But in some ways, Paul is really talking about the problem that occurs when anything becomes a rival for God. Paul is cautioning about anything or any person that can get in the way of our relationship with God. Paul says, be careful what you choose to put your energy in. Be careful what you put your time in. Be careful what you put your faith in. It can become your God. In addition, Paul says, make your own choices with faith, but then do so with some tolerance. Don't expect everyone else around you to make the same choices. Be respectful of different choices. In the gospel, the people around Capernaum are faced with choices of their own. They see Jesus teaching in this new way with authority and preaching and living with a kind of integrity they're not used to seeing. Someone with a false spirit, an unclean spirit, confronts Jesus. This unclean, unhinged person sees Jesus clearly as being from God. 
And Jesus offers healing for whatever is causing this person to act so strangely. And so people see this and they're amazed even more. They're not sure what this means for them or for the world, but some get it and understand that this and everything else is calling them to believe in Jesus, to accept the things Jesus is saying and doing, and to try to live the life of love that Jesus keeps talking about. As I've reflected on the previous year together, I'm struck by how much our year has been marked by the choices we make. Hindsight, of course, can make us second-guess choices with questions such as, should we have tried that particular program that may not have worked out so well? Um, Should we have done more in this area or that? Um, Should we really have spent money on those things? Or should we have spent money on these things? But that's just the nature of choices. And so at an annual meeting, we offer it all to God and pray for continued discernment and good abilities to make choices in the days ahead. A big choice that we've all made is to be together in this place. We have loads of options. There are lots of really wonderful churches in Manhattan and not far away. But most of us have chosen to call this home. That's an enormous choice. That's an enormous decision and an important one. We try to talk about each other so that we form a community and help each other know what's going on. That's really hard in 2017-2018 when active membership often means someone is here once every four weeks. I remind you of that reality. That is the church in our day. It's not the church of the 50s or 60s or 70s or even of the 80s. But some of our most active, talented, giving people um, are pulled in every direction because of work, because of family, because of commitments, um, in search of just time together if they're part of a couple. And that's just life. And so we don't shame anyone, but we try to recognize the reality that it's tough to build community. But we keep on. Our weekly newsletter, News from 16, is a big part of keeping in touch. We call that one little section Holy Gossip, because it is just that. It's where we put the latest, and we add with uh, soon thereafter the prayers of the people, where we keep in touch with folks who've lost loved ones, as well as others who are on our prayer list. Um, Big thanks to Alexandra Harrington-Barker, who's helped us with communications and gotten us switched over to a better um, application that allows us to send the email out. And I think everybody who signs up gets it now. Your cable companies don't make choices on your behalf anymore and screen you from the church. And so that's been a huge plus as we get the word out about all that's going on. If you don't get that newsletter, I encourage you to do so. Often the online version has photos that just don't really translate as well into paper. In an effort to continue to help others see our community and come and get involved, we've also moved to a new website, again with huge help from Alexandra. Um, If you've checked it out, you've seen the new website works well on mobile devices. And if you notice, pretty much everybody under 40 or so walking by the church is looking at their phone usually. And so it's a good thing if they can Google us really quickly, get us, see a map, send an email, or learn more about us. 
We're going to continue doing things like that, as well as having something you can punch, which will give you a quick audio tour of the outside of our building. That'll be easy enough, but another way of including newcomers and visitors. The new website also tries to articulate some of our mission as we downplay some of the traditional religious language um, and try to make things clear and direct and accessible for people perhaps who don't have any religious training. And so if you notice under one section, the website says life's big events. And that's where you go for information about baptisms, about marriages, about uh, burials and memorial services. And so we're trying to make ourselves a little more accessible for people who might not be lifelong Episcopalians or long Christians. Welcome if they are, but we want to be ready and able to help others as well. With Pat Vole's help and the help of others, we've spruced up our signs and we've got more plans to do that. Again, to try to be clear, it's still complicated to make one's way around these buildings and, and we're working on that. In the scriptures today, there is a common theme of people being invited to choose between God and other gods, with a little g. Um, One way of putting that is people of faith are invited uh, every year, every day, to choose between reality, fantasy, magic, and uh, pretense and what's really true. We have that, that choice before us as a church. Do we look at the hard work we need to do? Or do we pretend, well, maybe the city will look the other way with violations. Maybe they'll never ask for this payment or that payment. Um, as you'll hear a little more in um, the second part of our annual meeting, we've invested a lot of money and a lot of time into trying to look at things realistically this year. Um, We began with uh, Gus Christensen laid groundwork as our parish treasurer, and we got um, an auditor on board. We then contracted with Maria Wainwright, a bookkeeping specialist who's worked with a number of churches and with our diocese, and we've gotten our books in order. As Christine Dutois came on as parish treasurer, we've hit the ground running and have gotten things in order. uh, As you heard me say last year, it had been since 2010 that our church had had a full financial audit, which is a huge no-no in any church, but especially the Episcopal Church. I'm pleased to say that in 2017, we completed a full 2015 audit, 2016 audit, and all our numbers or information are in with the auditor for a 2017 audit. So we know where we stand. We're getting there. Like many churches, we've had trouble with the one-day or two-week-a-day bookkeeper. We've had trouble with with them being committed and understanding our system and and with regularity and showing up and doing the job. And so finally, just at the end of the year, we made a decision to go with an accounting services firm, MBS. And so we're paying a little more per hour, but we'll need less hours because they really know what they're doing. And so we're getting to where we need to be where uh, financial transparency is the is the rule of the day but also where we know where every penny and every dollar goes We've uncovered some interesting things. Uh, Thank goodness everything's always been honest and upright. Um, But in reporting our income to the diocese, for example, uh, from which we are calculated an assessment, a sort of tax, um, we've overstated our income. We've counted investments that we received bequests twice. 
And so we can go back and fix those numbers and apply to the diocese for an adjusted number. Um, you'll see in the financials that we've paid something on our assessment um, to, be, uh, to be in conversation with the diocese, and we'll work out those numbers in the year ahead. Uh, we've also learned more about some of our investments, the history of them, uh, where they're restrict- restricted, when they're restrict- restricted, and all this is a part of the ongoing auditing thing where, um, again, thank goodness everything has been honest here, but we're just getting sharper at being, at being able to know what we have and how we can use it for God's glory. And confronting reality again and not living in fantasy, we've begun to look at St. Christopher's Mission House. Um, We continue to poke away at building violations, um, and we're not free and clear yet, and we won't be anytime soon. It's a long process. Um, But we have new emergency lighting, which we will need to do at some point or another, so we did that already. And we've made good progress towards certificates of public assembly. Um, There's much more involved in that, and so we'll continue continue to get free advice, uh, talk to our politicians, see what they can do, and try to get toward a place where we can use all of that building in new and creative ways. Thanks to volunteers and our sextons, we did clean out the gym this summer. That was high on my priority list. If you were around in July, you know we did two separate cleanup days each with with a big dumpster. And so the first cleanup, we loaded five tons of garbage and had it hauled away. And the second day, almost six tons of garbage. And so when you go to uh, the annual meeting and you see the slideshow, you'll see a picture of this uh, great big gym that's clean. We have to get our heads around how to use our building creatively, how to partner with current tenants and possibly new tenants, and not so much to make money or earn income, but to be able to pay for the building we have. Um, We save a lot on the new gas-operated heating system in St. Christopher's house, but old radiators mean we heat the entire building. So we're continuing to heat a big empty gym because we don't have the money to get all of that redone. So a lot will need to happen with the gymnasium, with the basement, with all of that building if we're really going to be up to speed and not keep getting violations from the Department of Buildings in the city. But we'll get there. If you followed our newsletter, you know that some of my time and energy this year, along with help from parishioners and especially Franny Eberhardt, um, has been spent in meetings with our new next-door neighbor, the person who, who bought the Rhinelander building, which is on the other side of the rectory. It's at 350 East 88th Street. Um, I remind you the Rhinelander building was never a part of the church. It was given by the same donor, but it was always a separate building. We never owned it. Um, You can read about the details as you probably have, but the arrangement in a nutshell will be that we share the zoning of the rectory with our new next door neighbor. So we don't give up anything um, and the new next door neighbor can then ask for a change of use for his building so that his for-profit testing preparation company can occupy the space there as well as his foundation that helps underrepresented kids get into good schools and learn to take tests. 
He's bought the building next door, but he can't move in until he does significant preservation work on the landmarked building next door. Um, Because of our zoning, that only applies to the rectory and not the church because they're separately zoned. But it basically means that in this process, um, Arun Alapakan, the the new owner, as well as Advantage Testing, will pay for up to $25,000 of our consulting fees, $100,000 of our legal fees during the process. Neither one will touch near those numbers, by the way. But then we'll also do a million dollars worth of preservation work on the rectory. Um, if, the, if the work goes above a million, the church has agreed to kick in up to 300,000. If it goes ab- above 1.3, then Advantage would kick in another 300,000. Um, Arun Alagapan has, has um, agreed to loan us that money if we need it at a very, very low interest rate. If we got to that point, we could look at that because we also think we probably could borrow from our own roof reserve fund if we needed to. So we hope not to spend a penny, but um, if we have to, we've got it stashed away. Um, This would be work to keep water out of the rectory. Uh, We've not done much preservation work on the rectory. I'm not going to lead a fundraiser to to do anything to the rectory anytime soon. So this is sort of gift upon gift because it frees up resources from our church that we might one day have to spend on the rectory, and it gets us above the, uh, the, the board. Um, So we'll continue to pray and hope that happens. We're about 99% of the way through. We have a couple of more meetings in the coming weeks, and then we should know for sure. Today's scriptures talk about choosing God above all else. And just as I have to choose every week and every day uh, how much of my time to spend with elevator violations and, um, and, and new neighbors and, and possibilities for development um, or, or visiting folks who are sick and creating new programs or trying to get families in, we all have to do that, don't we? And so we choose again and again to to take time out of a busy Sunday to come and worship together. Um, A handful of you choose weekly to come to morning prayer, uh, Monday through Thursday. We have a nice little community that prays together most days of the week. Um, Wednesday nights, we offer a Eucharist with particular prayers for healing. And there are wonderful stories of healing that come out of that group and that group's prayers. And so we continue to put the work of God, the Opus Dei, at the top of our list of who we are and what we do. And we'll continue to do that. Um, Worship is at the heart of all we do and all we are. I'm enormously blessed to work with Cleve Kirsch and Calvin Dutois, our, our choir volunteers and our, our choir musicians. Um, they continue to be the, the best kept secret in New York, in many ways the, the most underrated and, and, and least known um, musical group around. But we'll, we'll work on that and try to get more people to know who we are and come and hear them. Our worship is, of course, made possible by teams of people, ushers and altar guild folks and lectors and acolytes and everybody around and in between. Enormous thanks goes to all those heads of those groups and everybody who volunteers. This year, we've had the added blessings of a volunteer deacon, uh, Reverend Jeff Smith. Many of you have gotten to know Jeff a little. He's under the weather today, and so he's in our prayers on most Sundays that he's here and not traveling around. Um, he's, he's standing out front at the gate, greeting people on the street. And we have a handful of people who've come in and have gotten involved because Jeff was the first face to see them. 
And so choices, choices, choices. Um, If I had a million dollars added to the church budget, uh, what would I do? Uh, Well, if you ask me today, I guess I say I would hire three new people. Uh, One would be a building manager, so I could worry less about permits and violations and repairs and more about the care and nurture of souls. Uh, Second would be a person to work with young adults. Um, If you look around, you'll notice every Sunday we have a number of younger visitors. Some come regularly, some come once and don't really see anything to connect to, and so go elsewhere. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody whose, whose job it was to really notice them, to invite them to things and keep track of them? And the third person I'd hire would work with children and families. Um, Currently, we have neither the parents who have time and energy for this ministry or other adults who can commit with drive and energy to create programs, generate excitement, and sustain a community. But that would be an enormous thing, and I continue to pray for it and look for it. If I had a second million, I'd replace the, I'd repair the plaster, of course, uh, preserve the organ up to good shape. I'd get the bells in the bell tower working, and I'd have the church open nine to five for people to come in and pray. With a third million or so, we'd do a proper ramp, one that wasn't a violation for everything the city looks at. We'd do handicap-accessible bathrooms. We'd do greener lighting that would be brighter and more energy-efficient. If you get me talking, I'll go on and on and on with vision and ideas and things we can do. We can't do it yet. But I'm praying for all these things and others, for for volunteers, for newcomers with their own visions, some of which might overlap with mine, others will be completely new. And I continue to pray for God's spirit to move as she wills. The question of whether to choose God in Christ above all other gods is a real one for each one of us. It asks us to put God first in our time, with our money, with our energy, with our loves. We need every person to be invested in some aspect of our ministry. Do you feel called to help Holy Trinity Neighborhood Center? Well, great, we'll sign you up for the Tuesday lunch or the Saturday dinner or the the weekly shelter for up to 15 homeless guys. Would you be up for helping around the altar as an acolyte or a reader or an intercessor or altar guild person? Great, we'll sign you up and get you busy. Can you help lead prayers on a weekday or or a centering prayer group or something else we haven't thought of? Um, Can you lead a book discussion or teach a class or invite someone from your building or your family or your work? We, We need all of that and so much more. In the financial part of our annual meeting, you'll hear about a financial deficit in our, in our budget. Uh, it's not the end of the world, but it's not sustainable for the long run. I'm not pretending it is. We've invested this year. We'll invest some more next year, but we can't do that every year. We need a few more members to help ministries grow and to multiply what we do. We need a few more dollars to get things safe and attractive around here, not to mention accessible. We need creative partnerships with our neighbors, with tenants, with organizations, with civic officials and civic bodies. We have so much love and so much faith in this place. The rest will come in God's own good time. 
It's been my enormous honor and privilege to serve with you another year, a full year, 2017. There's not a week that goes by that I don't give thanks for meeting the risen Christ in our midst, in you, in others. And so like those who meet Jesus in Capernaum, I'm amazed. And I ask myself, what is this? What is this new way God is moving among us? May God help us to continue to make faithful choices in 2018, that we might have the faith of Paul with the Corinthians, to believe that for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things are and all things exist. Thanks be to God for the previous year and the year to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.